everybody. Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host. Each week, we begin a path on a different subject that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to Martha Runs the World and Episode 10. We've hit a mini milestone, and I'm excited to see it going so much farther. If you're brand new to running, welcome to the bestest sport ever. Soon, you'll be comfortable using terms like fartlek, snot rocket, and chafing all in one sentence. I was doing my fartleks when I let loose a great snot rocket but felt chafing on my inner leg. <laughs> if you haven't guessed, this is Martha Runs the World, Beginning Runners episode. Fartlek is a Swedish word meaning loosely measured intervals. Run fast to the telephone pole, then run slow or walk to the mailbox, repeat four times. That's the sort of thing. I'm sure you already know what the other two meant. Running can be intimidated to start, and it takes a long time to get good at it. But it's worthwhile to do it right from the start. I've seen many new runners go out with so much enthusiasm, but wind up getting burnt out or injured and stop because they didn't follow a good training plan, they didn't know how to do it, didn't have the right guidelines. I've seen so many beginner runners start and get stuck and get bored because they don't see any improvements. Have patience. If you or someone you know wishes to start running, make sure they are walking a bit already. That's the first thing. Start walking. If not, have them walk or walk with them at least three or four times a week for 30 to minutes at a time. And try to walk at a fast pace. This isn't a strolling through the mall walk. This is a workout walk. We want to get some sweat going here. If you do this three or four times a week for two or three weeks, they'll be ready for the next step. I know they're anxious to start. But remember, running is a lifetime activity. I won't rush it. You know, a lot of people get you into it fast, but no, I'm not one of those. Now, if they already work out, maybe they do another sport like cycling, even if they do Zumba or something like that, they, they're they already pretty conditioned, so they can skip the walking part. But if they've never done anything, they really need to get out and walk first. The next step is the big one. I recommend using Couch to 5K because it's a really good way to start. They've put down the plan. They've done it for a long time. They know what to do. It's a really nice plan. They've literally been getting people off the couch for decades. The trick to start running is to do is to run for short periods interspersed with walking. After time, these walking breaks grow shorter as the running time gets longer. Eventually, you can run a full mile and longer without any walking breaks. Now, I know there are other methods to learn to run, but I won't get into them here. One of them is Galloway, which is the run-walk method. Maybe at a later time I'll talk about it, but not now. Other than to say, if you want to continue run-walking, you can. It's not what I like to do. I love the feeling of running. It's freedom for me. The thought of constantly stopping to walk because a timer tells me to stop and walk is not freedom. So I'll leave it there. If you want to use it and it works for you, that's great and you're perfectly fine to do it. It's just not what I like. The greatest feeling for new runners is to be able to run one mile without stopping. It's a real breakthrough, and once you can run one mile without stopping, you can feel like you can do anything. It's it's this feeling that you actually feel like a super person. 
I feel sad for runners who never experience it, because once they do, then they understand why continuing to improve is so much fun. Because some, unfortunately, some new runners get stuck, and then they just, they don't improve or anything, and then they think it's fine, and that's fine if that's what they want. But improvement is good. Improvement and getting better is a good thing, and everyone can get better if they're a beginning runner. The, The learning curve is really steep, and you can see a lot of improvements fast. Of course, when starting out, the proper gait and posture is important. I know there are a lot of people out there who don't think it is, but I believe that if you start out with the right posture, the right gait, and all of that, it's easier to stick with running, it feels better, and you won't get injured. If we learn how to run with bad posture, it's far more difficult to correct later. Trust me on this. My posture isn't the the greatest by nature. I was born with rounded shoulders, and I've spent a long time trying to correct that problem. It's much harder, but not impossible, to correct a problem later on in life than from the beginning. If you run with muscle imbalance caused by bad posture, for example, it will set up your whole frame for extra pressure where it wasn't made to take that pressure and making up for those imbalances. That's how injuries happen. Injuries happen when muscles that aren't used to doing the work do extra work and they get tired and then they start to hurt and break. Some people say, just go run. It doesn't matter what you look like, just do it. Because whatever you do is great. You're not on the couch. You're beating everyone on the couch. They always say that. It drives me crazy. And yes, it's really good that you're going out and being active, and that's wonderful. But doing things incorrectly can lead to injuries and displeasure at our sport, thus making the person hating it at the end. Why not try to run correctly as early as possible? If you go out and it hurts and you say, you know, I was reading in Facebook, you always see these things. I'm reading this woman. She goes, well, well, my right knee always hurts when I run. Well, that's a sign that something's wrong. <laughs> if your knee hurts, and, and I'm going to do a whole episode on injuries and runners, and you'll, you'll hear that. But if, you're, if your knee hurts every time you go out, something's wrong. It shouldn't do that. So start out doing it right. Start out learning how to, the right form and the right gait and the right posture. And you'll be a lover of running far longer than someone who does it improperly and where it's painful and not a fun experience. You can find a lot of good videos on YouTube. I really highly suggest Sage Canada's videos. He's an elite runner. He's a terrific runner. And he makes really good videos for beginners about posture and gait and all that. They're really user-friendly. They're fun to watch. And he makes it really nice for you. So when your friend and you take your first steps running, take small ones. When you go out, you're not making these large leaps. Take small steps and try not to shuffle. That's another thing that beginners do. And then they stick with shuffling the whole time. Shuffling is when you don't lift your feet up, when you're like you're moving your legs from the from your knees down. Your thighs are not involved, your quads are not involved, and your hip flexors are not involved. And those are your quads, hip flexors, and glute muscles should all be involved in your running. They're very important. And when you shuffle, you take them out of the equation. New runners tend to not want to lift their knees. It's hard, I know, because your hips and glutes and quads aren't, aren't strong, and it probably hurts, and it's probably easier to shuffle. But lift your legs with your knees a few inches at least off the ground. Try to lift them, you know, a few inches. 
And it may feel uncomfortable at first, but try to do that with every step you take when you run. Small steps, lift your lift your knees up. Make sure, all the while, making sure your shoulders are back but comfortable. Your chin is tucked in, so your your neck isn't out, so you don't look like you know an ostrich or something. And your arms are at your sides. Now when you start to run, raise your forearms up with your elbows bent, your hands in front. So your arms from the, from the elbow up to your shoulders are going to be at your sides, but your forearms are going to be out in front of you. And wrap your fingers around the thumb to the, to the fingers as if you're gently holding eggs. You don't want to make fists. You don't want it to be hard. You want it to be very gentle. So your muscles are relaxed. So when you run, you're relaxed. So... Ah, okay, I'm relaxed. As you start to run, you gently lift your knees a bit off the ground and take small steps. And I will include some links to some good videos in the show notes on the website. So it's all about relaxing yourself enough that you can get going and keep a gait going. And that's really difficult to maintain for a while because it takes, it's, running is not an easy sport. It takes months to get good at it. It doesn't come easily for most people. So long after your legs are used to running and long after you get your gait down, your lungs are probably still trying to catch up. So you'll be heavy breathing. You'll say, how do I breathe? How do I do this? It can be really hard to get used to breathing. But when you're running slow, make sure you're not gasping for air. If you're out of breath the whole time, you're probably running a little fast. So slow down your running and try breathing to your steps. Up to three. One, two, three should be it. Breathing one, two, three in. One, two, three out. In time with your steps if you can. Go slower than you think you should, especially the first weeks. We're not sprinting here. We're not setting any records. We're going slow to get used to it, to make sure that our posture is good, that our breathing is good, that we're taking high enough steps. You know, and I'm, and I don't mean giant high steps. You're not going two feet. You know, you're not lifting your knees a foot off the ground. I remember when I was training, uh, working with new runners. This one uh, woman, she started lifting her knees way off the ground, and I said, "Why are you doing that?" And she goes, "Well, I saw it in a video." And I said, "Yeah, no, that's not really how we do it. Just go ahead and just lower your knee a little bit, just a few inches off, so you're not shuffling." <laughs> but anyway, so. Just get used to your breaths and just practice with that because it takes a while. And you will be a little sore. So get used to being a little sore, especially in areas that you're not, that you haven't used maybe since high school or ever. And it's a kind of a cool feeling. It's a feeling you should be proud of because you've done some good work. And also get used to feeling the wind through your hair. It's a, that, that's a cool feeling too. <laughs> I mean, it may feel a little awkward. It may feel a little off. You may not be used to it. But it takes practice. I mean, running takes a lot, lot of practice, and it takes time to get good at it. So stick with it, and it will come. Remember, if you do need to take a walk break because you're just tired out, you've been going slow, you're trying to do things, but you need to take a walk break, then take a walk break. Take, take a break for a couple minutes. Listen to your body. I cannot stress this enough. Rather than being regimented to a timer that tells you when to walk, listen to your body. Your body will give you signals. And you have to listen to it. It'll tell you, gee, just can I have a walk break here for a minute? Okay, fine. And then just get right back into into running again. As you begin to move in ways you've never moved before, your mind will send you signals. Now, this is where you don't listen to your mind. Listen to your body because your mind will play tricks with you. 
It's not used to this exercise, and it's going to want you to stop. It's going to tell you to knock this new stuff off. It wants you to go back home and sit on that cushy couch. Don't do it. Don't do what your, what your mind tells you. Keep going. Your body may not feel good. You may be a little sore, but you need to keep going. You may have little aches, and, and little aches are okay. There is a difference between aches and pains. Aches are okay. These are all part of running. Take walking breaks. Stop. Run short once if you feel too many aches. And then start it, Then go out and run your next run. If you can keep going, go for it. But now pains are different. If something hurts a lot, like if your knee hurts every time you run, there's something wrong. Or if you're limping or if, you're, or if your shins hurt or something, pain in your hip that won't go away after a couple of days and you need to ice your knee every time, something like that. Those are things that need to be addressed. Making an appointment with your doctor is the place to start. If you've been walking regularly several times a week, working up to your running, you probably realize how important shoes are. Running shoes should be the first piece of gear you purchase. Do not buy your first pair of shoes at a regular sporting goods store or online. Do not do this. Go to a real running shoe store and have your feet fitted. Now, there are two types of road running shoes, neutral and stability. And I'll talk about trail running shoes in a separate episode. This is strictly about road running shoes. Road running shoes come in neutral and stability. Now, there are three types of foot patterns that runners have. Under pronation, over pronation, and neutral pronation. Neutral pronation is the natural foot motion of a step. A natural amount of supination, which is the outward roll of the foot, as you, as you walk, you're going to go on the outer part of your foot a little bit. That's natural. And it happens during the push-off phase of the running gait. However, excessive supination places a large strain on the muscles and tendons that stabilize the ankle and can lead to ankle rolling. That's underpronation. Underpronation runners and neutral pronation runners, neutral who have a, have a regular gait and don't, don't roll on any side, and underpronation, they need neutral shoes. Pronation refers to the inward roll of the, of the foot during no, normal motion and occurs as the outer edge of the heel strikes the ground and flattens out. A moderate amount of, is fine. An excessive amount causes damage and injury. A large number of runners suffer from overpronation, so it's a well-known occurrence, and they need stability. And a lot of overpronators have flat feet or flatter feet, and a lot of the overpronators in neutral have arched feet. They don't have to, but sometimes they do. Most of the time, I, I, don't, I don't have the numbers. Each type is designed to help with minimizing the point of impact and damage that may occur. If there's such a large under- or over-pronation, there may have to be extra work with a physical therapist or a pedometrist, but it can usually be done with the right shoe. Sometimes a good insole can make a difference. A great running shoe store will, will want to see you standing up without shoes on. Maybe they'll have a treadmill in the store to watch you run, or they'll watch you take a few steps outside, or they'll have you walk across the paper that shows your footsteps after you cross. Then the shoe expert will be able to ask you further questions. How many miles a week do you run? What's your goal? What surface do you run on? Do you like a lot of cushion? That sort of thing. And please, take the next step and buy your shoes directly from the store who has gone out of their way to help you. 
this this I I cannot stress this enough. This is one of my huge and major pet peeves. Do not do what a person in a group I I'm a member of proudly did. She got fitted and helped for a long time by an employee of a small local running sh- shoe store in her area, and then went to an outlet store and bought the shoes. She was so happy she saved ten dollars. But what she did was hurt the entire running community. Not only did she steal a sale from the store, she also stole time from other customers who were very willing to spend their money at that store. Too many new runners do this and don't think anything of it. They don't have the respect for established running shoe stores that season runners have. They don't understand the magnitude such stores have on the community. Rather than spend a couple more dollars and help those who are willing to help her and the neighborhood, they're much more willing to spend hours upon hours driving to box stores, driving around and around to get the closest parking spot. Wee! Let's have fun at Walmart! Would you go to a restaurant, sit at a table, ask the waiter to bring you a glass of water, munch on the free bread, and then get up and leave? It's the same thing. When someone goes to a running shoe store, asks to get fitted, and then goes and buys their shoes elsewhere, it's it's like... You know, you're taking advantage of a service they give you. And and then you just leave and spend your money somewhere else. Uh, I That's just wrong. It's bad etiquette and it's tacky and it's wrong. I know many beginning runners don't see it this way. But if those little indie stores disappear, that neighborhood will suffer a sad loss. Once the shoe is found and purchased, there should be no breaking in period. The shoe should fit wonderfully from the start. If it doesn't feel right, take it back to the running shoe store immediately so the correct pair can be found. That's another reason to be loyal to your local running shoe store. They are much better about taking back the wrong shoe or replacing it with the right one. They know you will be a repeat customer and will work that much harder to keep your business. Usually, anyway. I try to support my favorite local running shoe store in San Francisco. There's a few to choose from, and the one that I really like has always been good to me. Find one that's good to you, and you might even find a running club you can run with and make a few friends. Local running shoe stores do more than sell shoes. And I say that five times fast. They sponsor races, and many times they help out disadvantaged kids in the area who can't afford shoes. All the money doesn't get sucked out of the area back to the corporate office, whatever box store these people buy their shoes from. They do a lot of good. So before you go buying your shoes online and saving a couple bucks or going to the box store to buy a sale pair of shoes, see what they can do for you. I know money is tight, but if they all disappear because we'd rather buy online and save 10 bucks on a pair of shoes, the world would be a little sadder, at least to me. Running is is a community, and sometimes here in San Francisco, we have so many runners that having a local shoe store where we can slow down, say hi to one another and chill for a few minutes really helps remind remind me and remind everyone that we're in this together as runners. Now, there is a small community of runners who favor barefoot running. They're very small, but they're very vocal. I don't suggest this for a beginner. If it's something you wish to get into later in your career, do so. But when you start out, shoes are really important. Now, there are a couple other things that are important to have when running. Running socks are a must. Cotton will give you blisters. Your feet will hurt. Don't do it. Running socks are expensive, I understand, and everyone has their own opinions about what brands are best. Buy a pair when you buy your first pair of shoes and see if they work for you. 
Now, the other necessity is a piece of gear for females. Definitely need a running bra. Choose the right one. And it's always a personal choice. I suggest doing some research, try on a few, looking online, read some reviews, ask your friends, see what works. Cause I, there's, that's not something I can recommend. It's like socks. It's a very personal thing, and everybody likes what they like. So I can't really get more specific than that. Check out my past episode on healthy eating after this one, so I won't get into eating too much, but understand that some runners, especially newish ones, tend to overestimate how much how many calories they'll burn while running. A rough estimate is 100 calories burned for every mile run, give or take, depending on your weight, age, metabolism, etc., but it's a good rough guess. guess. If you run three miles, that's only 300 calories. So if you eat regularly and then scarf down a pint of ice cream, don't expect to lose weight. Just a reality check here. For runners starting out, I also suggest not running more than five days a week. I personally, myself, don't run more than four days because I do strength training three days a week. And then when I, if the times that I've pushed it to five days a week, I've, it's felt too tiring and not worth the extra miles. But after a few months, yes, at least six months, if you feel strong and are running at least 15 to 20 miles a week, if you want to increase it to five days a week, I say go for it. The thing with running is it takes time. Too often people rush the process. They just started running, and then they want to run a marathon like right now. But logically, that's not how things should work. If you want to be injury-free, that's not how things should work. Make sure you have a good strength training program on your non-running days, or if you can do strength training before you run and still have the energy to run, you can do that. Figure a time out. And also, you need appropriate rest time, and you should not be increasing your distance more than 10% a week. After a year or two, you can increase that a little bit more. That's not really a set in stone, but when you're beginning, 10% is a really good percentage. Rest time is really important, It means, and it means something different to everyone. Some runners take a full day off every week where they might take a walk, do some yoga, and then others don't do anything at all. I usually don't take scheduled rest days, but I wind up taking one like every every two weeks a full day off. I listen to my body. If I'm tired and I feel I need a break, then I cancel my run or cancel my workout at the gym and then I rest. And then I just continue on the next day. You really have to figure that out for yourself. But I suggest as a new runner, pencil in a rest day. As always, you have to find what works for you. Nothing is written in stone to fit all of us. No matter what a written workout schedule or book says, we're all different, and each of our bodies has different needs and limits. Our trick is to figure out how far we can take ourselves without getting injured. That really is the key. If your desire is to run a marathon, then set your goal for at least one year after you start running. Maybe it seems old school, but I am of the opinion that it takes that long for our bodies to get used to running because it's such a different and difficult activity to get used to. Allow yourself time. What is the rush? Marathons take place every weekend, and if there is one you want to do and it's coming up fast, do it next year. It really is not worth rushing. I've read beginners in complete on Facebook in complete panic. I have a marathon next weekend, and I haven't run at all. What do I do? What do I do? Well, you don't run it. That's what you do, because either you will get injured, or you're going to have the worst six or seven hours of your life in total pain, and you'll never forget how horrible it was, rather than how great it was. 
you're not a warrior brave for battling out a marathon you should have never done in the first place. It, it's just dumb, in my opinion. That's why I never like it when new runners try to rush training, be it for a full or a half, or for what seems to be the trend now, skipping those altogether and go for the ultra because it's so epic. Yeah, it's epic to get injured too. Honestly, this has me shaking my head. I don't get it. Be smart. Don't let your emotions take control of all your senses. Maybe this is the old lady talking to <laughs> talking right now. But this whole hashtag do epic shit is blowing out of proportion and needs to be taken down a notch. Just because a popular podcaster has some guy who ran a thousand miles on his last race doesn't mean that you can go out and do a hundo or even a 50 miler without the proper training. Well, sure you can. If there's no time limit, you can walk that far for hours on end. But if you want to run at all and run without injuries, then training is vital. Okay, now that we have the right shoes and have been eating delicious healthy food, you need to decide when is a good time of day to run. If you listen to the previous episode on training plans, regular workouts happen more effectively if, you, if we write them out. You can do it however you like. Write them on a piece of paper, put a calendar on your phone, make a spreadsheet, whatever works. You can follow a beginner's training plan online. There are lots for free. Don't pay for one. There's no need to pay for one. Just make sure it doesn't have you running more than four times a week. That's too much for a beginner. So let's assume, let's now assume that you figured out running four times a week fits into your life pretty well. The next question is, what time of day should I run? Well, that depends. Are you a morning person? If you don't mind waking up super early and going out for a run while the world is asleep, tucked away, then run before work or school. But remember, it will always be dark, or usually dark, unless you don't have to start work later. If you have to get to work early, like me, or if morning just isn't your best time, then do it after work. Or, if you're one of those people that has an amazing job where you can shower after your runs, and please, for God's sake, shower, then run at lunch. Don't don't go running at lunch if you can't get a shower in. <laughs> That's just horrible for your co-workers. If your job is flexible and you can fit in a bit more time in the morning or afternoon, then take extra time at lunch and go to your gym and get your run in and shower in. Do it. Whatever works. Consistency is king here, so do what will work. There is a lot to go over, and I know I'm going to forget something, and I know I'm going to listen to this, or I'm going to get done with it, and I'm going to say, oh, I forgot something. But we'll do, we'll add it on, or do a beginner part two, or something later in the future. If you have trouble going out running on your own, or you can find a partner. Or a group in your area. There are lots of running groups in your area. In fact, there's, they're all over the the U.S. and all over the world. There are park runs. It's a free 5K race that happens every Saturday. It's a big one here in San Francisco. They have it out by, by Chrissy Field. It's pretty cool. It looks fun. And if you run on the road, follow runner's rules. Run against traffic unless it's, unless it's dangerous to do so. And if it's dark, Always wear reflective gear and a headlamp or a waist lamp. Some kind of light so you can see. I will do safety episode, but there's too much stuff to go over here. And I don't want to make this episode 10 too long. So I'll just keep it at that for now. Combine training, eating right, making time of day, being safe, and the last key to the puzzle, getting proper sleep. 
Depending on what time of day you run, you may find that you are either more tired at night or more awake. Getting up earlier means going to sleep earlier. You may think you can get by on only a few hours of sleep, and that might be fine for a while. But very few people can do this efficiently, and it will wear on you. If you run too close at bedtime, you may find that you can't sleep, that it makes you too wired, so you'll have to adjust your sleeping for that as well. Maybe fitting in a nap after work will help. I don't know. It's up to you. The more we exert ourselves, the more rest we need. So don't discount feelings of being tired. Take a rest day. Start going to bed an hour or a half hour earlier. 30 minutes won't make or break your schedule. Really, it won't. Burnout happens frequently to new runners who try to do too much too soon because running is just so much fun and they don't want to stop that amazing feeling. But we're in this for the long haul. It's a long, long race. It's an ultra race, not a sprint. Remind yourself of that. The components new runners should never forget are start a walking or exercise habit if you haven't already, get some good running shoes and and the right gear, eat to run, make time in your life for running, and rest, rest, rest. I know that's a lot to remember and it seems complicated. Running is a complicated sport, but that's why we love it. It involves running our life, health, so much. It, It is life to us. My hope is for you to go out, try it, and find that magic on the road or trail that many of us already contain within. So email me and contact me on the Martha Runs the World Facebook page and let me know how everything is. We're running down the road together and it will be an amazing fun ride. For more information and show notes, look at the website MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. Email me if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for upcoming shows at MarthaRunsTheWorld at gmx.com. Like our Facebook page, Martha Runs the World. And please give us five-star reviews on iTunes if that's where you listen. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run.